I enjoy, right? It's a labor of love. I've tried to do less. I was like, man, like even with my career, right? Like with starting in cyber, I was like, I want to work really, really hard for like three to five years and get to a sweet spot where I can work less and not have to do so much extra and just kind of enjoy, you know, the work-life balance, like enjoy my life. And I got to that point and then I was like, I'm bored. What else needs to be built? Who wants to do something new? I can't stop. Yo, 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 you know the show. It's Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer divide and everything in between. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., Chief Information Security Officer. And today, our guest is the one, the only, Meryl Vernon. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I can't believe I finally get to sit down with the two Georges. That's right. Long overdue. Yeah, well, let's let's be clear. You get to sit down and put it on the record with the two Georges. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start where we usually do, which is at the beginning. Um, I think most people are familiar with your larger journey into cyber. I think that's Legion by now, but let's get the two minute version. Yeah, if you're not familiar with my story, I broke into cybersecurity uh, four and a half years ago now, cold from a social media marketing and copywriting position. So broke into cybersecurity cold, became uh, went from risk to pen testing to red teaming into purple teaming, pioneered my own niche in cyber. And here I sit today, cybersecurity woman hacker of the year. I know it's extraordinary. Meteoric <laughs> rise, as they might say. Um, so I think we're going to take a little different format here. We've got some exciting news to talk about later. Um, normally, we're talking about sales and marketing tactics, and I think we'll touch on that a little bit. But I want to focus on, uh, I don't know, a little bit different part about like your career, where you think things are going, and we'll get into future projects. But for now, I will kick it over to George to take the first question. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Obviously, like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, the last, actually, the, no, when we hung out in Vegas, um, I thought you were like probably the most fun I had uh, before we actually went to any clubs because it was your award show and uh, it just felt like we were partying and it was a huge celebration. And I just feel like it's like we're both like, I think actually calm, generally quiet people, but I felt like the loudest person in the room with you. So I'm all about that energy. I appreciate that. Um, it's cool to finally like have you on the show. Um, I just, I can't get over it, man. Cause it's been so long and like, it's just, just happy that you're here. So fucking sweet. Um, let's talk about your career. Let's talk about your story. Let's talk about your mountaintop. So for, for me, uh, anyone that's worked with me, I, I do goal setting, whether it's personal for your career or whether for a whole team or line of business, I look at mountaintops. Like what are you trying to achieve at the end of some kind of fixed point of time, where are you right now? And it's very clear to kind of figure out what steps you have to take to get to that end goal. Uh, it's kind of a, a leadership exercise. You are not uh, new to that. You're a veteran yourself. Uh, so let's say in the next five or 10 years, what's your career mountaintop? Because you got a good thing going at Aquia. Is that how you spell it? Or pronounce it? Aquia. Aquia. The name Aquia. of my company, Aquia. <laughs> I, Christ in heaven, I, I'm actually literate. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but do you see yourself ever actually becoming like uh, an enterprise level CISO or do you ever want to venture into the pure sales side? Like, what do you want to do five to 10 years from now? 
Oh my land. That is such a question that you should not ask personality types like me. Um, check on your eight wing seven friends. We are not okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not the same person now that I was, you know, not even five years ago. And I think that, you know, in five years from now, let alone 10 years from now, I'm going to be in, in completely different echelons that I am right now. Uh, I can tell you the next thing that I hope to tackle is to uh, break into. So I, I'm at the point now where I'm kind of on my first hilltop, right? Like four years ago when I entered this industry, I was like, I'm nobody. I want to I want to be known for something. I want to make a big impact. I want to contribute. And I think I've done that. You know, I contributed a brand new service to cybersecurity. I've contributed to helping the, uh, the lives of a lot of newbies break in and uh, continue in that space. But for me professionally, next, I'm looking at entering to like, junior leadership. So like mid-level, um, so like manager director positions and mm -hmm. getting into like junior VP levels in the next three to five years. And, uh, who knows what, what will open up after that? Everyone, um, who's asking me like what I want out of my job right now, I'm just kind of saying I'm open to what comes. I I'm kind of organic about what it actually defines as what it looks like, but here's the attributes that I want it to have. So I, I left myself pretty open to that. And, uh, Hopefully by the time this airs, that has manifested into something pretty jazzy. But um, and as, as for the CISO question, that's interesting because I ran into um, Carlota Sage at uh, Women's Society of Cyber Jutsu this year. She's, all, she's awesome. She's awesome. She is. She's great. I love her. Um, and she gave this talk on, you know, why do you want to be a CISO? Basically trying to talk people out of it and kind of like fractional CISO uh, talk. And she's going around the room and like, why do you want to be a CISO? And people are like, I, you know, I think I could do the job. I could, I could do it. I could handle it. I can make the impact. I'm like, yeah, I could do that too today. As we said, um, I could do that job, but I'm not sure I want to be a CISO. And let me tell you why. Um, I don't want to have to fight constant battles to get my initiatives off the ground. I don't want to have to beg people to listen to me. Like you hired me to listen to me, but you don't listen to me. So you don't do what I say. And then when we get breached, it's my fault. And I'm out of a job. Like Average tenure of a CISO is like 18 months and that's too much stress for me. I can't change jobs. <laughs> well, I mean, so I, I will just as a follow on for that, like I think for anyone who from the practitioner side who thinks about making the jump into management, I think the hardest part is getting your fingers off the keyboards and understanding, especially if you have reports under you, your job becomes, uh, as I would frame it, as, as a head coach of a high performance team. Your job is mm -hmm. to get output out of your team, to build a team that works well together you very rarely get to do the things anymore. Like I was thinking about it to myself the other day after going through yet another budgetary exercise and another contract negotiation. Like I got into this to chase bad guys. I don't remember the last time I actually got to sit down and chase a bad guy. My job is like, it's either compliance, it's regulatory, or it's like budget numbers personnel. Are you ready to make that sacrifice? Is what I for our listeners, that's that's kind of the inside baseball of jumping from the sock to or or being a pen tester and into management. I was gonna say you said on the one of our past episodes, George, that it was like you rely on the team lead to like translate all the technical mm -hmm. to you because your headspace is actually in the, like the line of business management and stuff like that right now. Yeah. So I, I, I totally understand you not wanting to be a CISO. Like I love my job, but like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like <laughs> you're doing that, it right. <laughs> that's actually not the part of the job that turns me off the most. Um, actually, um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, being a program manager for that reason. You're still pretty close to the technical work. You're working with your technical team. Sometimes you leap in and help in the weeds. But um, but you are kind of taking on those more graduated echelons of uh, getting into mid-level management. But all my operator friends are going to come murder me in the streets because um, 
They don't want to leave the keyboard, right? They're like, why would you stop? This is the best. You get to mess stuff up all the time. And, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, and I'm good at that. But I also have other strengths. I have, you know, I did come from the military background. I came from a customer service background. I've, I was in those trenches for years. And I'm, I'm good at the liaising. I'm good at the, uh, the politicking and the people management and the uh, organizational leadership piece of it. And I just want to be able to contribute as a technical leader. And I think I'm going to really enjoy the fact that when I am in my leadership position one day, technical teams are going to come to me and my eyes aren't going to glaze over when they start talking about things. And mm -hmm. I'm going to ask intelligent tech stack questions and get and help them get the advocacy that they need to the non-technical leaders. So, you know, I, I want to step into that role. I had a, a very technical manager that I love that I want to emulate, Andy Grant much love to you. So, um, yeah, I want to be like Andy one day. Nice. Great. Here you go, George. Yeah. Yeah. So a peek behind the curtain for the listeners, George and I develop our questions independently because we all got jobs and lives and we got to do this quickly, but it turns out we are of one mind because most of the time our questions are <laughs> actually dovetailing one another and that is completely unplanned, but the, here we go. So we've talked about the mountain talk. We've talked about the you know this force of you know you stay technical or whatever however you know you carve this niche for yourself in purple teaming but you are also clearly a creative powerhouse right you created cyber queen's podcast you have some other irons and other fires you admittedly came from social media marketing you have this extroverted skill set so i just want to know how do these forces kind of play out in your day to day? Like how you take on projects, how you remain, oh, how you allocate your time. Like, let's talk about that interplay. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's always like the full-time job, right? The full-time job comes first, uh, whatever needs to be done there. But even within that job, I tend to block out my time because as a purple teamer, you have to be in a lot of people's flows. And at first, when I was the my first purple team program manager position, um, I knew what teams I touched, right? I knew that I worked with technical advisors who were like um, onboarding specialists. I worked with compliance folks, ISOs. I worked with uh, software developers. Uh, and I was in all of their team meetings, all of their standups, right? It's in a very important part of purple team to be in, in everybody's flows. But a lot of people came to me and were like, you know, just because of the nature of purple teaming, shouldn't she also be involved in the flows and the standups and the meetings of the teams she doesn't necessarily directly work with every day? I'm like, oh my God, you're right. I have completely missed out on the rest of this. So, uh, you know, I got to chunk out my time. I got to be in like, I got to be in one thing for a minute, get some really quality work. I kind of like the 80, 20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. Like work on something really, really in depth, completely undistracted for like an hour, see how much you get done and then go into a different bucket. Um, I think when you do get into like what George was saying, um, those echelons of management where you get pulled a dozen different directions and, uh, you really got to be able to get in the zone and get certain things done in, in decent chunks, uh, or you'll be pulled 12 different directions every day. You'll just answer people and people please and do like that, like sur superficial level minutia, but get nothing of like impact done. Uh, yeah. and your to-do list will continue to go. You're like, I work hard every day. Why is nothing getting done? So, uh, even as a purple teamer, as a technician, we still got to be really beyond it. And I do the same thing with my um, extracurriculars, you know, when it comes to teach kids tech, when it comes to cyber queens, you're now award winning cybersecurity podcast. Uh, Congratulations. Thank <laughs> you. 
And uh, when it comes to the other stuff I'm doing, like um, Threat Hunter, which we'll talk about later, uh, I do the same thing. You know, I have stuff stacked on different days. Um, so there's like my Teach Kids Tech Day, like after we're after the work stuff, I'm all in those flows, t- checking those boards, moving those things along, checking in with my people, you know. And um, so everything has like their heavy day, their light check-in day, and then like their touch day. And they're all kind of staggered and funneled. And that's how I stay on top of so many projects at once. Yeah, I will say you are singularly the most productive person I have ever met. So <laughs> thank that's you. Just, yeah, even even before we were friends, y'all, I I DM'd her on LinkedIn and I was like, "Can we meet?" And she's like, "Sure." And I was like, "How?" I think that's like literally how I started the phone the call. I was like, "I yeah, don't." You're know like, how, "How do you do, do it all?" all? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "How do you do all these things physically in the big, same day?" People yeah. think I'm a robot. They just think I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, did you learn how to bend space time? Because you seem to have 30 hours in the day. You do sound like uh, like you're a walking Kanban board. Like all I'm, like I'm hearing you talk and I'm like, all I'm seeing is Jira. And I'm like, what yes. Jira project are you on today? Yeah. Yes. No, it's just like that. That's literally how I like mentally visualize and organize my time and my day down to down to the minute. So. Jeez. Yeah, so uh, that's not me. So <laughs> you're way better. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, um, it's a hustle, but it's a hustle I enjoy, right? It's a labor no, of love. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. tried to do less. I was like, man, like even with my career, right? Like with starting in cyber, I was like, I want to work really, really hard for like three to five years and get to a sweet spot where I can work less and not have to do so much extra and just kind of enjoy, you know, the work-life balance, like enjoy my life. And I got to that point and then I was like, I'm bored. What else needs to be built? Who wants to do something <laughs> oh, new? Yeah. I can't stop. So yeah, I mean this this career is meant for folks who have a healthy bit of like an ADD or ADHD kind of mentality. Like if you get bored easily, like this is the field for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try um, try being medication resistant ADHD. Then there's nowhere for it to go. But into God the damn, way to go, Marine! Holy <laughs> shit. Um, so <laughs> carrying on, uh, from where you sit and, you know, with the many friends and followers you've gained from your time in the industry, um, where do you see us going at a whole of industry level in terms of like trends and direction? Like, will we ever achieve an industry that welcomes and has a place for folks of all kinds? I think we will. I think we're, we're seeing that shift. Um, I think we're seeing the desire to shift, but we're not seeing it in practice. So, um, actually Diversity statistics have shown that we are slipping backwards slightly in the diversity mm. sector. But, you know, I mean, we themed all of RSA, one of the biggest, you know, jazziest circuses of the year, stronger together, like in, like encouraging more diversity and stuff. So um, I think there's the want to be there, but like everyone's still scared. Everyone's still got their hands on that throttle and they're just they're just going full speed towards an unknown destination rather than like relaxing a bit, letting someone else drive and just seeing how it goes. Um, So I think as an industry, you know, people do gravitate towards the thought leaders, the ones who, you know, do have a big following. That's a piece of it. Um, But they do because they are out there giving a certain type of expertise in a certain way, right? That content creation piece where even we as technical advisors can reach a larger audience through creative content creation. And um, I think the average person is going to start consuming a lot of their tech and infosec related knowledge that way. And we're going to see, you know, entire cultures and agencies, hopefully, possibly um, start to morph their strategy around that and the emergence of that and getting those key people, just like brands do, that they can get out there in front toting the new policies, the new executive orders, the new 
things that people should be doing to protect themselves. And, and that's where I think we, I see our industry going because we're making InfoSec more consumable and more relatable and accessible when we do that. So bearing, so with that thought in mind, how important or how significant to you and do you think as, as a whole of industry was the Queens winning that DMA? How important was that like in terms of like just how meaningful it is? Oh gosh, that, that was such a crowning moment. It wasn't just a win for us. It was, it was a win for, you know, everyone out there who is going up against like, like Phil Wiley, he's a close friend. We actually text on the regular. Um, I love him. I admire him. Like when I tell people oh, I'm friends with the guy who wrote that pen test blueprint book, they're like, no, no, no fucking way. Shut up. Um, but like he's started three podcasts, you know? And so it's yeah. like, he's one of those people that very obviously has the tenure and the history and the knowledge so for us three to come out of nowhere and just, you know, we didn't know where it would go. We just, we had an opinion and we just wanted it heard on behalf of everyone who's been where we are uh, in life. And it just took to people so well. I think that just shows the cry that there is in our industry to hear these voices and to get more spotlights on these things. And, and it was a massive win, not just for us as three women, but like for all the women out there, for all the single moms out there, for the neurodivergent people out there. And most importantly for my community, the LGBTQIA plus community out there that no matter what you want to start, no matter how you contribute, no matter yep. where you want to be start today and you might not be there tomorrow, but next month you could be there. It could happen. It, like crazier things have happened. <laughs> So I love that, that, that one was a special one to my heart and uh, like just the most beautiful way to cap off my year. Fucking yeah. cheers to that again, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So let's talk about threat hunter. This is some big news. Uh, I knew about it a little bit in advance, which I am happy and privileged to, but this is your time, your space. Let's talk about it. Cause it's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. I am so excited for it. So this idea, I love this idea for so many reasons. Um, first of all, someone actually heard about this idea. And uh, I went in on this project with a, a very close friend and cohort of mine, Chris Cochran. He and I are like the only other people like each other that we've ever met. Like he's the only person who doesn't come to me for advice on stuff. He and I are just like there all the time, uh, which is why we jive so well. And he was like, you got to be a part of this project with me. And I was like, well, what is it? Uh, and on the plane on the way to Vegas for summer camp was when he sent me the first uh, the first screenplay, the first like little scene that he wrote and uh, and the promo trailer that he had had created. And I was like, oh, my good God, this is going to be this is going to be like what Sailor Moon was for my generation, but for this generation and it's cyber. So Threat Hunter, um, the tale of Scotty is all about um, her name is Scotty, uh, named after one of the uh, Norse gods, uh, I think, of um, of hunting actual physical hunting. And she is a teenager who hunts threats and malware and fights and fights them in the digital realm. Um, but she's also a teenager in the real world. So we're going to see a whole lot of that play on like cyberverse and like how, um, nice. how certain attacks manifest that educational piece. You know, we've got some crypto mining, we've got ransomware, we've got social engineering all up in there. She's, she battles and fights all these villains. She is super cool um, and new age. And then she's got her real world life where she's trying to balance, you know, she doesn't win all of her battles. Some of them she loses and she sees the real world ramifications of like one attack that she couldn't thwart. And it took down like a whole utility and a bunch of people suffered. And she was like, I could have stopped that. And it's all about that you know, what we go through as cybersecurity professionals, the want to help, the need, the call to the fight, but also how we balance our real life and not being sucked into our world all the time, but being present and growing as individuals. And it's going to be a beautiful, kick-ass, 
empowering story. Our main protagonist is a female, which I love. Um, we ha- she has a newbie that we feature as well. She's got you know her hacker sidekick because shout out to the ethical hackers. And I am phenomenally excited. It's going to be first coming out in a series of three graphic novels, uh, and then we hope to take it to an animated series. So that is yeah. definitely coming. <laughs> The art is hella dope. So I'm really excited about it. And I think I'm I'm very excited because I was just listening to a podcast that was talking kind of about the power of memes, like the idea to distill extremely important things and compress a whole bunch of ideas, right? So for example, something as banal as OK Boomer. It's super short, it's funny, but it actually collapses entire generational conflict, right, into that. And on this podcast, actually, what they were talking about, the some of the very important things in our world that don't have meme power yet that aren't like translating is cybersecurity, right? For most people outside of this industry, you hear the word cyber snooze, right? Yeah. But when you're talking about real world ramifications, right, when you're talking about like the Bangladeshi bank heist, we're talking about a hack that almost did not succeed, almost took a billion dollars from one of the poorest countries in the world, mostly because the hackers messed up the attack. But the largest physical bank heist has been like 60 million in Brazil. So the impact to people, a billion dollars, think about all those hospitals that keep getting taken offline. So I'm really excited about this storyline because it's not only like yay make it more accessible but also like inspire more people to join the industry but i think it's also broadcast the meaning to an audience that again they hear cyber and they're turned off because they think it's just a bunch of nerds on computers i don't understand it or you know i don't or serious and difficult yeah Yeah. so not only is it going to be a see it to be it but it's also going to be bringing it full circle like driving it home making it tangible like like you said like that colonial pipeline hack you know that lost oil production for like what a day or two few hours i can't remember but people the single moms felt it the single moms who need to like get gas drive to their job and drop their kids off to be able to provide gas went up three dollars and now they can't afford it like there are ramifications for these for these instances that that trickle out so far everyone was driving around gas stations on the east coast of the u.s here but also like i remember distinctly being at a gas station that was out of gas And there were all these landscaping outfits right there. They got their trailers that are loaded up with multiple uh, pieces of power equipment and lawnmowers. They can't work like the the day the week is gone. They can't honor their contracts like that is a a material. I mean, you can you can make and, you know, I I, again, I have not seen any of potential content plans for uh, uh, for the series or anything like that. But I would think, you know hypothetical scenarios that are pretty common for folks who are doing disaster uh, planning mm-hmm. like ransomware in a hospital right critical critical infrastructure that ends up leading to people losing their lives which i think actually happened in uh, germany a couple of yep. years ago because someone got ransomed out you look at water purification plants you look at power yep. generation grids right like it's I, I think the more we can educate the mainstream masses about just how much this is real to them. It's not just some weird headline. It's not just an ad for VPNs on YouTube. It's, this <laughs> thing is real and yeah. it'll touch you. So yeah, like, keep it up, Meryl. 
Thank you. Um, we're excited because I think cyber news is displaced for a lot of the average people, right? They read about mm-hmm. a breach or, oh, Okta was breached. That sucks for them. Their stock value is going to go down or whatever. They don't realize the impact it has to their lives until they get that letter, until you know it arrives home. And so we are trying to take cyber and bring it into everyone's home and put it in everyone's minds and hearts. And I think we're doing a visually stunning dynamic job doing it. Um, so Chris brought it to me and it was it was two scenes. And now it's three full length graphic novels. And he brought me on as EP. So I'm um, executive producer and I wrote out most of the story and I'm helping direct all of the art. So Sick. I am so excited. I'll actually give you guys a sneak peek after this. I will yeah, yeah. take that over socks and sandals any day, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Thank you so much for listening to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks. We know your time and attention are valuable, so we appreciate you spending them on us. Our mission is for you to walk away from every episode with something to think about and hopefully get a few laughs in here and there, too. If you'd like to support the show, we have a new coffee site where you can lend your support in the form of a one-time donation or join one of our membership tiers. It helps offset the costs of producing the show and we can do more fun things like make more swag and host more contests and giveaways. Find the link in the show notes and thanks again for listening. Now, back to our conversation with Meryl Vernon. We're back. And Meryl, we have some audience questions. So our mutual friend, Bronwyn Hudson, sent in a few questions on the LinkedIn post about your hopes and fears for this year, 2024, both in the threat landscape and in career building. We should take those in turn. So what are you thinking? She's saying she has thoughts like, needing to take a gen AI course. She wants to get her grandparents on password managers. So sort of like what's top of your mind in those two worlds, the threat landscape that you see in your day to day, and then a little bit just nearer term than I think what George was asking for, but in 2024. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, um, our peripherals, right? Like our family, like our personal lives. One of my big fears is that a lot of people still don't understand the role that all of these uh, tools serve in protecting them. So they'll be like, don't I need a VPN? What's the best VPN? I have to like mm. educate people on free VPNs. I'm like, do you know why you need a VPN? Like, or do you, do you just think you need one? And, you know, so I think we are seeing a lot of content creators push towards um, educating the general public. So I've got, uh, you know, another friend, Caitlin Sarian, cybersecurity mm-hmm. girl, LLC, who is um, doing her very best to break down a lot of these concepts for the average person. But, um, you know, one of my fears is that, we're going to start seeing a lot more personal breaches. Like, And and the number one yeah. mistake that um, organizations make in cyber, for those of you who don't know, is that they think um, they're not a target for whatever reason. Let me tell you, no target is too small. No target is not worth a hacker's time. If they're going to get pieces of personal details where they can put together a profile and sell that profile to someone who's going to steal your identity, that's what they do. All they need is a phone number and an address to be successful sometimes. So I want people to protect themselves as best they can, protect their homes, protect their networks, protect their devices, protect their kids. Um, But when my kids started daycare, I went into that daycare and I upgraded all of their uh, firmwares and patches and systems because I'm like, if you're going to store my information where my kids live, then (laughs) it's going to be up to some minimum standards. So um, no, not everyone has a friendly neighborhood infosec professional they can ask. So I would love to see more content coming out, educational content geared towards telling the seniors and 
and the children, why they need to be aware and how they can protect themselves. But most importantly, what purpose each of those pieces serve. Um, don't just give them a recipe, tell them the purpose. Like the eggs are here to add moisture. The VPN is here to protect traffic. You know, if you want to protect your banking password, then yes, password manager is for you. So um, they're not just buzzwords, you know, they actually have real world implications. Professionally, uh, my fears for 2024, uh, and many of you have come to me and said this, I love and appreciate you all. Everyone's been like, man, Meryl Stellar year, pen test engine of the year, cybersecurity woman of the year podcast of the year. <laughs> what are you going to do next? And I'm like, right. How am I going to top that? Uh, I got to quit now and run into the woods and hide. Um, <laughs> so my fear is stagnating, but you know, mm. I'm me and I will never let that happen. That will never be how it is. Um, so for 2024, I've already got my pokers in the fire that are alleviating my fears, exciting projects coming up like Threat Hunter, uh, partnered with Hackers and Heels, the fabulous Stacey Champagne. So She's, She's going to awesome. be joining me. Yep. Yes, I love her. So um, we are combining our babies. Hackers and Heels and the Cyber Queens will be one and the same entity, you know, focused on that uh, helping women, helping cyber meet women where they are in life, get more women into cyber. Um, so that's coming. We've actually got some graduate products coming there too. Um, I professionally am advancing. I'm hoping to achieve that first tier of junior level leadership next year, uh, this year, by the time this airs. So uh, I always, like George said, proactively look at my fears, proactively look at like, not only what are the hills I want to be on, but what are the valleys I want to avoid? What are the, what are the depths I don't want to mm. go anywhere near? And how do I proactively mitigate against that happening? And I'm setting myself up for that right now. So uh, hopefully that all works out in my favor. I don't know if I'll ever have a banner year like I had this year, but this year certainly was fun. It's nice to see all of my accomplishments and giving back that I've done, uh, you know, culminate in the fabulous year that I've had. Uh, and we'll see what I'm able to pull off this year. I'm not, I'm not afraid for myself though. I always, I always outdo myself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm really just looking forward to, uh, partying with you. It's again this year, hopefully in the summer. That's, I mean, they're going to kick ass. So yeah, we're just going to have a good time, man. I think it's going to be great. I think I'm going to um, do less speaking. I think I'm not going to sign myself up for so many speaking engagements. So I can just focus on like the having fun and the networking and the hanging out with my people. So and not losing your voice. Yeah. Yeah. That that's yeah. <laughs> <Rookie> <laughs> mistake, numero uno. <laughs> Occupational hazard for sure. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's okay. Um, but I mean, again, you have really made an impact for a lot of people. Like I was just thinking, um, even before like the episode started up, uh, I got a, I got a good friend here, uh, Louise, she's a pen tester over with Santex security. And, um, she, uh, actually told me like that she was a huge fan of yours before I'd even told her that like, Oh, I knew and all I knew you and all this stuff. Right. So I thought it was like really cool that you had such a reach at like a random, like, Pentest Pro in Canada, like knew who you were, right? So I was like, "Hey, that's that's pretty awesome. That's pretty legit." Uh, <laughs> pretty do, legit. You, do you know what like the crowning jewel on this year has been? Like building a niche was so cool, and my career's been so cool. But like some of the crowning jewels this year are not only moments like that because like. I used to be one of those people who was like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? I look up to them so much. And now I am oddly that person for other people, which still blows my mind. But like all those people I looked up to, Gabrielle uh, Botbull, um, yep. Stacey Champagne is one of them. Um, she used to intimidate the ever-living shit out of me. Uh, Alyssa Miller, um, just like a lot of these women that I looked up to that I was like, I want to be like them. 
now they're my best friends. Now they're my cohorts. Now we're starting collabs and projects and bringing each other into our businesses. And like, you know, I'm like top of their brains and they're like, I'm starting a new thing. Do you want to help me with it? I'm like, God, yes, this feels amazing. So it was amazing to like have those women that I've admired with these legendary careers hug me and say, I've, I've watched you for years. I've watched you grow. It's been so exciting. I'm so thrilled to meet you. I'm like, I'm thrilled to meet you. Thank you. Oh yeah, definitely. Like shout out to Gabby. She's friends with our good friend Vanessa as well. She's part of that whole crew. Uh, Morial. Yeah. I love her. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> good, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to ask you is, what is your general approach to to mentorship? Right, because like a lot of our listeners would love to reach out and connect with you somehow. They're probably a bit intimidated at your like pretty massive reputation, especially if they're a bit younger in their careers. Like how would someone say hi to you if they're looking to connect either via LinkedIn or if they actually see you at a conference event and they're just like, oh shit, that's Meryl. And then it's like, then what? Um, yes. Great question. So I have no barriers to adding me on LinkedIn and or messaging me. If you want to send a, a note with your request, cool. I respond to all of them personally. And if you don't, that's fine. Also, you can just add me and then run away if you want. Um, you know, I, I encourage people to, uh, I have people reach out to me in the oddest places. They reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, I have a crystal group on Facebook. I'm a part of, and someone's like, Hey, random question. I see you work in cyber. I have a question about WG. I'm like, yes, please bring me your questions. Like don't just suffer in this sea of misinformation come to someone come to me I'm open and here for you so please don't be afraid of me I'm, I'm I try to be as open and approachable as possible um, I know I'm intimidating I have a lot of confidence but I, I try to give a piece of that to everyone that I mentor um, so you know at a conference I'm probably surrounded by multiple people in fact Alma I am so sorry for cyber marketing society con because she tried to talk to me like three times and people kept pulling me like aside, but Meryl, I just wanted to say hi, Meryl, we just want to introduce ourselves and it might be like that. And I am so sorry, but I try to make time to meet absolutely everyone or get with you at a more intimate setting, like a happy hour. I'll invite you to like hang out with me and my friends like George. Like I usually always have a plus one that I'm like, this is someone totally new and random that I just thought would be best friends with us now. Um, so I am happy to bring you along. If you need a friendly A-type uh, extrovert personality at conferences or you won't meet me one, come find me. I will introduce you to everybody that I talk to. Um, so please, please, please Some, don't be yeah, afraid. Sometimes I, 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 yeah, sometimes I keep Meryl around to absorb <laughs> what I cannot. Like it's like sensory overload, but it's like Meryl, she'll, 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 Take no, it. you guys are like ad, like admirable. Like I go to events now and I like do my thing and then I'm just like, uh, all right, to the speaker room and I hide and squirrel myself away <laughs> until I have to be outside with public and people. I will overwork myself for you guys. I, I will talk to everybody in the room if I possibly can. Um, I'm happy to bring people along. Please don't be afraid to say hi to me. And uh, as for my approach to mentorship, um, if you ask me to formally mentor you, all I'm going to say is be ready to put in some work because everyone's yeah. like, tell me how you yeah. did it. Yeah. What did you do? And I'm like, yes, I will give you the step by step. I will formulate a plan for you. But if you don't freaking follow it, I can't follow it for you. I can't. I already did the work. I can't do it. If you don't do it and they're like, oh, yeah, that was a lot of hard work. I ended up not doing that. I'm like, yeah, it is hard work, but it's rewarding. So if you want me to mentor you, just be just be ready. Just be ready. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that mentorship is not like this one way street. Meryl, help me get a job like you. You don't get to. Well, I mean, this is a podcast where we talk about that approach in sales. You don't get to just ask for something and not do anything in return, right? You got to put in the energy, put in the effort. So actually, again, uh, George and I are of one mind and formulated these questions completely independently, but here we go. So Meryl, meteoric rise, you've learned a lot. What would you say to newcomers today? And a different way of asking this question is, what do you know now? that you wish you had known 
then? You know, is there anything that you would tell your former self to have done differently or, you know, approached it differently? What What are you telling yeah. newcomers today? If I had known how good I would be, I would have started sooner, but I was afraid. I had never taken anything technical. You know, I could mm. update my phone and that was, and my dad showed me how to open up the creepy mysterious black box and ping Google if the internet wasn't working. So I could tell him Google will not ping. And I didn't know what that meant though. Um, so I waited in to the technical very slow, uh, not slowly, it took me like three months. But I started off in risk, which was like the most administrative job I figured I could have in cyber. And then I waded into the more technical through control statements. But I would have told myself just, Freaking go for it. Try to learn Python. Try to learn something technical. See how well you do. At least get the gap analysis and figure out, okay, I'm not in a highly technical job, but there's moderately technical jobs and there's highly non-technical jobs. And I would have just figured out where I landed much sooner and and developed those, those weaknesses into strengths much sooner because whatever is a weakness today won't be a weakness next week. You know, anyone who's dedicated to learning the guitar will put in three hours a day, possibly for 10 years, but eventually they will get good at the guitar. So I just wish I had started sooner. I wish it wasn't so intimidating to other people. Um, there's, I'm going to use your show to get a, a, address a little bit of a spicy topic and get a little controversial. There are Do a it. lot of people out there, and I could name them, but I won't, saying that people like me are out here saying, oh, let the, let the idiots in. Let the idiots come run cyber. You don't need skills. You don't need to be technical. You don't need to know what you're doing. Just give everybody a chance and let them run your sock. And I'm like, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, these people can be upskilled. You can recognize yes. potential and transferable skills and give them the opportunity to become technical, the opportunity to learn this subject matter and get up to speed and go from being someone who needs to observe a lot at first, not contribute much value, and then contribute an insane amount of value because they don't need to learn as much. All we're mm -hmm. saying is give those non-traditional people a chance. So that's just what I wish I had done and what I wish more people would do. Uh, I wish more people from non-technical backgrounds or who don't think they have it in them, simply fucking try it. Simply go for it. If you suck, you suck. Suck as bad as you can suck at Python, and then you know you suck at Python. But if you, but if you don't suck, what if you're only moderately bad? And moderately bad can be turned into decent pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. that's what I wish. Oh, that I love it. So yeah, wait, sorry for folks listening to our to our listeners who are thinking about getting in. GPT changes the game. You don't even have to know how to program fully yourself. Just understand prompts. Go ahead, George. Sorry. Yeah, well, I was like to your point that you've done with your team, George, is also cross-training, right? So there's a combination there. It's what Meryl is saying, which is say yes to yourself. Just do it. Go for it. It's going to suck. It's going to be a little bit painful. Just do it anyway. But also to those people who put their hands up and be like, well, I'm here in this GRC role, but I've been talking to the threat intel person. That sounds kind of cool. Could I try it? Like, how can you keep those doors open? Because the more multidisciplinary your team is, the more resilient you are, right? Because somebody's sick somebody is uh can't get on somebody churns out like how how can you um get a well-roundedness in the team i would say or somebody who ends up being that well-rounded person goes from simply being another red team operator that's very easily replaced on the mm -hmm. team to something my manager told me which was if i had to replace you i'd have to find four people i'd have to find a risk specialist a cloud specialist a red teamer um, and there was one other thing I had, I can't remember now, but he was like, I would need like four people to replace you four skill sets versus like exploit development, find one tomorrow, pivot and escalate, find one tomorrow. He's like, I can't find another you tomorrow. You're too diverse. You're too well-rounded and you bring too much different. Like, and I was like, that's job security for sure. <laughs> yeah. Make yourself indispensable. Yeah. Yes. But what I was going to say was to our, our seam suppliers who are listening, because I know we have folks who are from seam supply companies. Mm. Um, one of the considerations that 
I know I'm looking for in terms of what I want to set the next two to three years of programming with at my shop. Um, does your seam run off of a decent GUI that a non-technical or at least non-programmer analyst could then learn easily? Because realistically, if we're doing everything on query-based languages, you're, you're cutting off basically the entire talent pool of people that you can plug in because you have to get people learning those program languages. You have to get them comfortable using the kit and you have to get them comfortable doing the databasing. There's a lot of steps before they can even plug and play and use. So now a major consideration when I'm looking at, you know, what potential tech provider I want to go with, do they have a GUI, a graphic user interface that is easy to consume, that is intuitive to learn because of the cross-training approach. And I think that's actually going to be the future of a lot of these yeah. security devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And LLMs change that forever. Like yes. if you're going to require like years of learning a language and your competitor is like, or you could just naturally ask it, where has this been and what endpoints has it touched and has it moved yes. laterally? That's yeah. So no a lot of that, a lot of that regex, like they even have like, you know, Zapier, like automated workflow things. You're like, mm. make the this, send the this to the that, and it'll just <laughs> do it for you. But you're like, I don't know how that works, but make this in this and make it go here and it'll do it for you. Um, that's such an interesting point that you bring up, George, A, because, uh, you know, if you keep it that way, if you keep it super technical and super limited, what you're really doing, and from my operator point of view, is you're really ensuring that your number one job function is going to be querying things for people and generating reports for people because they mm -hmm. can't feed themselves. So you're taking this very easy to do function that oh, well, only she knows how to ask the thing to get the things that we need. And we need it for this. And then we need this version. And then we need this version. And then for these dates. And then for this one. And then we need it again next quarter. And you're like, oh, my God, I spend most of my time generating reports for you people. It's very brittle. It's when you yeah. think about the the volume and the speed of new attacks, it's a very brittle team structure. And it's very, yeah. that's very worrying to me. We're behind in the digital transformation. Yeah. Go ahead, George. Sorry. I was saying, I, was saying, I really appreciate your perspective on this because I think we get really into the nitty gritty sometimes on like sales methodology and sales tactics. But I'm also just like, yeah, but the, the actual practice is changing so we need to talk about how like the actual business of cybersecurity from the practitioner side is changing. So our listeners on the sales side can then adjust and understand their pitches and what the buyers are actually looking for based on what are the real cutting edge trends, not what Gartner's is telling you like a year behind post-survey. Yeah. And to get to get a little salesy markety uh, before we move on. To that end, when I go into a demo, I already know the, the pieces of info that I need to know whether or not I can use that product. And it's not often this, oh, we have this feature. Oh, we do this thing. It's my CISO is looking at me like, Meryl, what do you need? I'm like, does that output into XML? No, then I can't use you because that won't input into my other thing. Thank you. Have a nice day. And they're like, really? I'm like, really? That's it. If you don't output into the format that I need and there's a bunch of manual work involved for me in the middle to make your shit work with this shit that I already have, then no, it's a no. I don't care what else you claim to do. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, like they're like get get the get the product manager on the phone <laughs> so but what, what were you gonna say next george well i was just gonna joke that for anyone who was really paying close attention when meryl was saying make this shit talk to this shit and send the shit over to there ta-da api security <laughs> it's like basically it's all apis <laughs> all of it oh god no <sighs> um but yeah, so 
this feels like a great place to end. We have solved cybersecurity and we have solved software development. We're completely <laughs> done. And sales! <laughs> oh my God. We're done. You're welcome. You are welcome. Sweet. Um, but yeah, Meryl, thank you so much for the time, so much for the energy, and we are really looking forward to Threat Hunter. And for our listeners, stay tuned. By the time Threat Hunter comes out, we hope to have some promo codes to, you know, put some jet fuel in this engine and, and really make it take off. So thank yeah. you again, Meryl. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I hope to have you both on the Cyber Queens very soon. Um, and as for Threat Hunter, uh, the official launch will be at the CISO XC event in March. Uh, Chris and I will both be there signing copies. So if you're interested, um, that will definitely be a place where you can get a hold of one. Otherwise, it might be uh, there will be a pre-sale code released as well if you're interested in having one sent to you. Excellent. Congratulations again. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. That wraps up this episode of Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks. If you liked what you heard, consider sharing what you learned and tag the show on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. Or leave us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. New episodes drop every Monday. Listen and subscribe. We'll catch you next week.